If you guys would go ahead and find your Bible and open it up or turn it on, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 28 today. Matthew chapter 28, one of my favorite sayings about leadership is leadership leaks. Uh, so imagine you have a bucket and you fill it up with vision, you fill it up with a commonality of mission. You need to realize there's always a hole in the bottom of that bucket and you have to keep filling it up. And so periodically, as a congregation, I like to just help us remember why we're here, why it is that we're here, what our vision is, what we exist for. And the Murphy Road Baptist Church mission statement is that we exist to lead people to worship, grow in, and serve God through lives that are changed by the power of the gospel. And within our mission, within our vision, we have several core values that we try to live out. Number one, we believe that people matter to God, that people, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of income, that people matter to God. And it was motivated by his love that God sent his son to do for people what we could not do for ourselves. And because people matter to God, they must also matter to us as a congregation. A second core value that we have is that lives are changed by the power of the gospel. And so one of my commitments to you is that I don't want to do self-help with just a little twist of Jesus, where I just give some good psych talks and then we throw a little scripture on the end of it. I want us to open our Bibles. I want us to squeeze the scriptures. I want us to allow ourselves to engage with the truth of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And it is through the power of Christ within us, that's where behavior changes. That's where uh, life changes. That's where when your heart changes, your life follows. And so we're always trying to remember the power of the gospel. Thirdly, disciples worship, grow, and serve. Disciples live lives that draw other people to the cross. Disciples ask God to drain us of the anger and toxicity that would push people away from grace, but instead have the living water flow through us in such a way that it draws people to grace. And so we're constantly asking this question, how can we help people live their life in such a way that the totality of their life aligns with the idea that God must be glorified? And then how can we help you grow in the scriptures? How can we have a life group? And how can we have different small group offerings that allow you to grow in the scriptures so that you understand the truth of God? And then how can we help people connect into friendship so that you're not alone? There's people in your geographical area that you worship with that walk with you through life's ups and through life's downs. And how can we help you serve? How can we take your story and your gifts and your experiences, your personhood, and how can we engage you into the kingdom of God? Because we want you to have opportunities to serve here, and we also want this to be a launching pad of service so that service takes place maybe in organic ways, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, wherever you might go. These are part of our core values as a church, equipping families. We believe that faith has to be passed from generation to generation. And so children's ministry and student ministry, they are not just child-sitting services. 
They are part of the core of our mission because we believe that life matters from conception through eternity and we believe that we as a church have a responsibility to help families teach their children the truths of Scripture and how to live out their Scripture. And so we want our children and our families to be equipped to live out the mission for God. Amen? I grew up a pastor's kid. I... uh, I do not remember a world that didn't involve casseroles and desserts. All my life, I have known casseroles and desserts. I have spent over a year of my life at camp. Over a year of my life has been spent at camp. I met my wife at camp. I was called to the ministry at camp. I was trying to count this up, and I've estimated that I have either preached or sat through over 10,000 sermons in my lifetime. I love church. I love churches. But there also is something, and I'm saying this as someone who loves churches, there's something that I've noticed, and that is that sometimes churches can be a little bit awkward. Sometimes there can be a little bit of quirkiness to churches at times. That life's not always just running through the blue bonnets hand in hand singing kumbaya. That sometimes there's difficulties involved. Y'all have been, some of y'all have been following my, my adventures with a puppy. Uh, Murphy Bear, Murphy Bear Banks, the legend himself. Well, he's three and a half months old now. And one of the things that I love about Murphy is that... Uh, his paws don't fit. You know, he's got the paws of a big boy, and yet he's still just a little boy. And his ears are like fully grown. So sometimes his ear flops over and it looks like he has a comb over. It's wonderful, it's, it's just funny. But he's growing into them. And even though he has these characteristics where some things are fully grown and some are still growing, he also has the attention span of, of a puppy. And so it's kind of fun watching him try and figure out his coordination. Sometimes he just like falls off the back porch. (laughs) You're like, okay, dude, you know, Uh, but he keeps on going. And and churches often can develop a little bit of awkwardness, and, and this is how it happens because so many different opinions come in. And also our different preferences and what we grew up with and where we came from and all these different things come into the church. And and our church has actually seen a lot of transition over the last uh, two, three years. In fact, how many of you guys started attending uh, this church since COVID? How many? Just lift your hand if you've started attending the church since COVID. Okay, go ahead and put put the hand up where I can see it there for a second, okay? Okay, so quite quite a bit of transition coming into the church and all of that, and so there's always this opportunity uh, or this this chance that might occur where we lose sight of our mission, and we start getting these opinions, and we forget what it is that we're really here for. So let me ask this question. What is the goal of a church? What's our goal? Is it a business goal? Is, is our goal to, uh, to build a, a better business and the product is Jesus and the measurements are buildings and efficiency and, and those type of things? Is, is that how we are to approach it? Is our goal to be a social club where uh, everybody knows your name and we can have events and friendships and entertainment and this is kind of an oasis within the, the, the community where we can just play and have fun together? Is our goal some 
particular area of ministry and we'll be a specialty church where maybe our goal is just evangelism or we just want to really focus on missions or we just really want to focus on prayer or good music or some particular ministry that we are really good at. What is it that we are aiming at? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. So this is the passage of Scripture that is commonly called the Great Commission. It begins with this. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Now this is taking place during the 40 days. We're in this sermon series on 40 days where we're looking at the time between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. So this is taking place during that window. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in this passage, Jesus gives us his plan for the church. And if you look at the passage, you'll see that Jesus' plan for the church revolves around one big thing, making disciples. Making disciples. And so as you think about how you answer that question, what is Jesus' plan for the church? You need to land on his idea that it's about making disciples. Now, I want you to see several things about the vision that Jesus has for his church. Number one, I want you to see that it is an authoritative vision. You are not the one in charge. I'm not the one in charge. Jesus says everything that you guys do, you need to know that you're doing it under my authority. Jesus is the one who conquered death. Jesus is the one who reclaimed everything to the glory of his name. Jesus is Lord, and the church belongs to Jesus. Not you, not me. It's Christ church. Now, secondly, on this idea of the authoritative commission, we need to make sure that we grasp this. This is not a suggestion. Jesus is saying, all that I have done, I am now telling you that as my disciples, this is what I want you to do. This is what you're supposed to do. You don't have to guess. This is what you're supposed to do. It's not about your opinions. I'm the one in charge, Jesus says. Under my authority, I'm calling you to do this. Secondly, notice it is an active vision. What's the verb here? Go. Go and make disciples. Jesus didn't employ a field of dreams theology. If we build it, they will come. Instead, he said, go and make disciples. If you drill down into that word, it literally means as you go. As you go through your life, make disciples. The church gathers on Sundays for worship, and then you go into your lives. And as we go, we as a church family are to be making disciples. 
We here at the church come alongside you and try to help you become a stronger disciple and try to create systems where other people can become disciples and grow in Christ. But ultimately, the gospel expands as you go. My favorite Peanuts cartoon, Snoopy is at the archery range, or out shooting arrows, I should say, and he's shooting them into a fence. And so Charlie Brown comes, comes along, and he sees that every arrow that Snoopy has shot is right in the center of the bullseye. And so he compliments his archery skills. And then Snoopy shoots an arrow, and then he gets a paint can, and he goes over to the fence, and he draws a bullseye around the arrow. I don't know why, but that has always just absolutely cracked me up. And a lot of times, churches are very reactive. Somebody has an idea. It may be a good idea, or it may be just an idea. But somebody has an idea, and we're like, okay, let's do it. And, and, and we just follow, and we don't actually have an active, targeted vision that we're about making disciples. And so does this help us make disciples? Thirdly, it's a big vision. Look at the scope of the vision. Where does it land? Go and make disciples of what? All nations, literally all people groups. What this means is that Jesus had a vision that every girl, boy, woman, and man would know the story of the gospel. And he mobilized his disciples to be the church. The church gathers in local assemblies like this, but the church also works together to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And in order to accomplish this, we have to have teamwork within the kingdom of God. So let's make this part of our DNA as a church. We're not going to go around criticizing other churches. We're not going to be the place where we say, well, I heard what they're doing down the street, and I just don't agree with that. What about you? Well, I don't agree with it either. You know, that's not our deal. We're not going to see the other churches as competition. Whenever churches are Bible-believing churches, and they're sharing the gospel, and they're doing the work of the kingdom, they are our teammates, not our competitors. And when they succeed, we succeed. In order for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, it requires unity. It requires that on some of these areas where maybe you have an opinion and this person has an opinion, but it doesn't affect the gospel, you just need to sit down your opinion and work together and be united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When churches come together in unity, it is amazing how new congregations can form. It is amazing how mission work can take place. It is amazing how the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. And church, I have this hope, I have this dream, I have this prayer that in my lifetime, through the technology that has been introduced and through the cooperation of God's people, every people group on planet earth will have the scriptures in their language, every people group on planet earth will have a gospel witness among them but for the vision of Jesus Christ to take place it requires that we work together it requires diversity different cultures coming together for the common cause of the gospel fourth it's a shared vision it's a shared vision 
There's a couple of things that you see within the Great Commission. One, we are to baptize them. Baptism is a part of evangelism. When we share the gospel with someone and they come to trust Christ as Lord and Savior, they proclaim that faith in Christ through believer's baptism. You may not realize this, but when someone is baptized, they also become a part of the church family. And so when Jesus tells us to go out and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are taking people who are new believers and we are bringing them into the church family where they can grow and they can mature and they can walk through life with other believers. So he says, baptize them, and then he says, teach them. Teach them what? Teach them how to observe everything I have commanded you. I love the way that Jesus worded this because there's a couple of areas to it. Number one, we have to teach people the scriptures. We have to teach people what the Bible says. But number two, we also have to teach people how to live out their faith. That's part of why it's so important for us to do this together. Now stick with me, okay? I know I'm swimming into some deep waters here along the way, but stick with me. This is church. We have to teach people what it looks like to live Christianity. Did you know that the scriptures teach me as a pastor that the two things that I am supposed to give priority to, the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. A couple different places in the New Testament where it says that the pastor is to give priority to the ministry of prayer, praying and caring for God's people, and the ministry of the word. A church must teach the word of God. And a church also must live out and teach one another what it looks like to obey the scriptures. And I love the multi-generational aspect of church because together we teach each other what it looks like to be a Christian. Fifth, it's an enduring vision. Christ says, I will be with you to the end of the age. Now I can promise you this about church. There will always be what I like to call vision vandals. There will always be people that just don't get it. Sister Bernita gets upset because the young people were playing Yahtzee on Wednesday night. And pastor, I just don't think they should be shooting dice at church. Deacon Buck calls me up and says, Pastor, I think this is just wrong. Um, you preached 45 minutes last week. You know, normally uh, I can get through two cigarettes in your sermon, but that was just way too long, you know. And uh, Deacon Buck thinks that negativity is his spiritual gift. The Lord has given me the gift of judgment, and that's what I bring to the church. Right? Have you ever met Deacon Buck? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've met him along the way in different names. Vision vandals. Hear me on this. I, I'm, I'm serious on this. Vision vandals must never be allowed to kidnap the mission or the spirit of the church. Our mission is to make disciples. Our mission is to follow Jesus. 
and there will be people who live among us that sometimes just don't get it. Sometimes there are even good-hearted people that just need us to love them. But the church has to be united in our mission and vision. And Jesus reminds us that you make disciples under my authority. And then he says, hey, listen, I want you to know this. I got your back. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. They may say things about you. They may scorn you. Uh, that People may come and go out of your life, maybe even in your fellowship. But Jesus says this, I'm never going to leave you. I will be with you to the end of the age. There are five major things that a church does. A church evangelizes. What is evangelism? That is the sharing of the gospel with people who have not yet experienced Christ as Lord and Savior. That is part of our responsibility. A church disciples. That is the teaching of the truths of faith. That is the modeling of life together in Christ. A church ministers. That is meeting one another at the point of need praying for each other, being there when someone passes away and another is going through grief, caring about other people, showing empathy and compassion as we walk together. A church worships what we're doing right now, the gathering of believers for praise, prayer, giving of offerings, the preaching of Holy Scripture. This is part of of the core DNA of the church. I've always said that one of the most humbling things we can do is to enter into these doors and to sit in these seats and worship together because all of us are acknowledging that we need the Lord and we also need one another. Community. The church is supposed to live together, to fellowship together, to serve together, to be the body of Christ with our different gifts, working together to further the kingdom of God. Everything that we do as a church must have one foundational goal, and that is to make disciples. Every event that we have, ultimately at some level, it must lead us to make disciples. The staff that we call must help us make disciples. Any buildings that we build must help us make disciples. The budgets that we compile must help us make disciples disciples. The goal of the church is to make disciples. So quickly, what is a disciple? A disciple is more than just being saved. A disciple is more than just joining a life group. It's more than having a mental concept about God or being able to recite verses. In Matthew 13 and verse 44, there's a beautiful passage of scripture. It's poetic in nature. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied, and then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, and when he has found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, my friends, a disciple is one and when Jesus comes to you and says, follow me, you leave your nets. If he calls you, you leave home, you leave your friends, you leave the security. You leave everything that you know to follow the master. A disciple is one that 
When he finds Jesus, he realizes that everything else in life that he treasured, everything else in life that he has collected, that none of that really has value compared to knowing the Master and following Jesus. And so following Jesus becomes the pearl of great price. That he's willing to sell his soul, his goals, his dreams, his control, his vision, his values, in order that he might align his one and only life with the will of the Savior. A disciple is the one who has experienced grace. And in grace we recognize that we have been forgiven. In grace we recognize that we stand in the security of God's love and nothing will separate us from the love of God. That God loves us even while we were yet sinners to the degree that he sent his son to do for us what we could never do. And we live in grace. But a disciple realizes that grace is not meant to be hoarded. It doesn't just end with you, but that grace is meant to be shared. It always amazes me that grace is the greatest gift that we can ever receive, and sometimes it's the last thing we're willing to extend to others. A disciple shares the grace of Christ. A disciple is one who is fully devoted in every area of his or her life to one thing, and that is following Jesus. And that's our goal as a church, to make disciples. Does everybody understand the mission? You understand it? Everybody awake? Everybody understand the mission? Everybody understand the vision? We want to make disciples, amen? I want to thank you this morning for those who work with our children and students that are passing the baton of faith. I want to thank you to those who before the sun arose this morning, you arose in prayer and you prayed for people in this room. You prayed for this service. I want to thank you this morning for those of you that week after week you cheerfully give, not begrudgingly, but you give financially to the ministries of this church so that the kingdom of God can advance. I want to thank you. I want to thank those who guard the unity of this church, who refuse to allow those who wish to criticize and divide to find sympathy in your ears. I want to thank those who are going those who leave these doors each week and you look for those opportunities to engage with your community, engage with hurting people, to pray for others. And I want to thank you for the privilege to serve and to lead a church that understands that our mission is to make disciples. I want to be a part of a church that knows why it's here. A part of a church that has a vision that comes from Jesus and is committed to living their lives together month after month, year after year to following Jesus and helping others do the same. I hope you want to be a part of that too. God's doing some amazing things here and I thank you for your part and it's exciting. Let's enjoy what God does. Amen? So Jesus, draw them near. 
He said, I have all the authority, guys. <laughs> I've died for your sins and I've risen again. So now go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them into the communities. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And I'll be with you always through the ups and downs. And then you'll teach others to go. And the gospel will go out and lives will be changed just like your life was changed. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to be together. I pray that you will help us to zero in on why it is that we're here, to know who we are and whose we are. Because when we know who we are and whose we are, we can go anywhere you ask us to go, and we can be secure in the grace of God, knowing that our identity has been captured by you and we're safe in your hands help us lord to continue to see lives changed and help us lord to be an authentic genuine body of believers who is worshiping growing and serving you may our lives give testimony to the power of the gospel it's in christ's name we pray amen let's stand together as we worship if there's anything that I may pray with you about, I'm here at the front.